Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Welcome to another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. Unique conversations throughout the world of sports, coaches, players, front office executives, you name it. Today's is really unique. Somebody who was a very good player coming out of high school in the Pacific Northwest, played at the University of Montana before a seven-year professional career, and now he is making a big-time impact in the Pacific Northwest in helping high school student-athletes, regardless of sport, get some recognition. Ryan Slider maybe better known these days as SS Visual Works. Ryan, how you doing in the Portland area, bud? Doing great, doing great. Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. So I want to kind of just quickly touch on your early part of your uh, playing career. Obviously, you and I have known each other since the high school years. We played against each other growing up, high school summer leagues, Portland Pro-Ams and whatnot. But you went from Tigered to having a really nice career at the University of Montana. I actually just had the chance to drive through Montana and go through Missoula on a family vacation on my way home. Uh, Very unique, very uh, welcoming community that loves their college sports. Talk about your experience at Montana and how it helped shape you before your professional career. Yeah, it was great. It was actually pretty surprising. Um, The first couple weeks, uh, you know, you could tell Montana is very different than the city that we grew up in or the city area um, in terms of Portland. And it took some getting used to. But like you said, that town really rallies around uh, its sports teams. And really, that's just the, the college. And um, it meant a lot. You know, everywhere you went, people had nothing but positivity towards you. And we happen to have pretty good teams, you know, every year I was there. And that made it always made it better. Um, but there was a lot of great people, great families, great supporters that, uh, you know, really were behind us every year. And, um, you know, having a successful you know, college team, college career, so to speak, you know, really did shape a lot of who I became as a player and ultimately as a person, um, just, you know, continuing on, you know, if it, 
was playing, which I did professionally for a short time, and then taking that into the business world after that. Well, let's stay on the playing side for now because uh, you're somebody who played professionally for seven years, a combination of Europe and, and South America. And everybody that I've talked to that has played professionally overseas somewhere um, ha- has come back and said, you know what, it was, it was a unique experience. It was a great experience. But then they also have some stories that if you've never been in that situation and played over there and lived in some of the, the situations that have come up, you wouldn't believe it. Are there any experiences that you can kind of share with the listeners that yeah. they might not believe, but you live through? Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, thankfully, I was, I was prepared for the overseas life because my father played overseas for a long time. And he, um, you know, he told me there's going to be a lot of things you're going to encounter that you've never seen. And he prepared me for a lot of things that, you know, quite frankly, I don't think I would have been ready for. And there were some other pro players that, that I knew that had played overseas that I talked to. And that was, you know, that was important to, to know because when you go overseas, there's just obviously different expectations for uh, the Americans at that time, especially than there are for the other players. So you had to understand that and uh, and, um, you know, that's something that gave me a leg up because I had a really good understanding of that. As far as experience, you know, I really enjoyed every place that I played, found a way to kind of, you know, just immerse myself in it. Um, probably the craziest experience was Brazil uh, because I'm pretty confident in saying that the team owner uh, had some mafia ties <laughs> and we got visits from them on several occasions in a good way. We had a good team and it's pretty, it's a pretty funny story because JP Batista was actually uh, on the youth, the youth uh, team and he would come and sit on the bench uh, during the senior pro team games. And so that's where I first met JP. He was a, a teenager at that time before he came to the States and went to junior college and eventually Gonzaga. Um, but that was probably one of the cra- more crazy situations overseas. Um, the team I was on in Italy probably went through maybe nine or 10 Americans just because, you know, guys would come over there, guys with names, guys that you probably heard of. And they just, they weren't ready to play. They thought they could just kind of cruise through it. And it was real cutthroat over there. They were cutting players, sending them home. And, and, uh, you know, it, it was definitely a lot to learn fast, but I enjoyed every minute of it. That's uh, interesting to hear. I, I didn't realize that you and J.P. Batista, who uh, a lot of people listen to this podcast, obviously are Gonzaga fans, will remember that name. Um, but I played on a team in Italy that, quite frankly, I think there were some mafia ties as well. And uh, you know, some, things, <laughs> some things were said, some things uh, were left unpaid, uh, and that's just kind of the way it goes. Uh, when you're playing overseas and, and you kind of learn to, uh, I don't want to say deal with it, but you kind of learn uh, how business is done in, in different places. So you finish up, you wrap up your career, and, and as any athlete kind of moves from a playing career to now what's next, you got to kind of try to find your passion and what you really want to do in life. And and I've talked to a number of former athletes that, um, you know, the easy answers are coaching or broadcasting. And, and I say that with myself having got into both of those 
but it's my passion. It's really what I've enjoyed. And I've really worked at my broadcasting craft and, and, and hopefully people that have, have seen or heard me on the air uh, have seen improvement over time. Now you kind of went in a different path. Right. You got into the other side, I would call it the media where you are behind the camera and you're the creative aspect side of, of, of a production. Tell us what you're doing now with SS visual works. Yeah, well, it's, it's uh, SS Visual Works is a production company that um, that I started after I had gotten into some media, uh, different media events and situations just because uh, of happenstance, really. People knew I had a background doing film. I had worked a lot with Nike basketball um, in, the, in the, starting around 2007 um, on some pretty big projects. Uh, here in the States and overseas with some of the NBA's top guys. Kobe was one of them. He was actually the first player that I worked with through Nike basketball. So I developed a film, a foundation in the film world, just really working on different uh, sporting events, making sure they looked good, making sure that they, you know, didn't look corny when they ended up on screen. On screen. And so I really developed that side of it. So people started asking me to film or cover events and I was like, well, I, I really don't do that aspect of film production. I'm just more of the creative lead and organizing things. I don't hold the camera, I don't edit. And uh, it was interesting because Pat Strickland, a pretty legendary coach out here at Jefferson High School said, nah, Slider, I know you know how to do this. I need you to come help one of my players. Uh, he's getting a lot of interest, but he's not getting the interest that he wants. He's talking about Marcus Sahonis. At that time, he didn't really have the Pac-12 offers that he wanted to have. and and so we went down there. I took a couple couple of other film people I knew, and we made a little mini documentary for him um, just so he could have something to put out there and have something that college coaches could see what he was doing and what his goals were. And it ended up working out well for him, not just because of the video, but he had played really well at the Peach Jam, the Nike tournament down there in, uh, in uh, South Carolina. And, and uh, from there... You know, obviously he got a scholarship, a few offers. And um, the thing for, for me, when I, I didn't have a production company set up at that time, but a lot of athletes, they saw that piece with Marcus. And they were really like, who did that? Who made that? Where did that come from? So a few of those guys that I worked with early on in Portland were like, you need to you know, start something surrounding this because this is going to be big. And I started to see that. And uh Talked to a couple of guys, a couple of people that I knew I could work with and put a, put this production company together. And we've been working with a lot of athletes ever since, whether it's just doing a quick sizzle reel for them or, or doing something that's more encompassing that you might not even see on the social pages. Just, as you know, college coaches don't always want to look at a highlight. They want to look at some extensive game film. And so we put a lot of that together for athletes. And now we've ventured even further off into to long form documentaries for not just athletes, but social pieces and things that have to do with what's going on in the climate of the, the this country right now. So it's definitely growing, definitely something I've been proud of and, and uh, excited about every day, that's for sure. Well, I can definitely see when I watched a lot of the videos that you've put together, in particular on the basketball side, and I know you've done football and, and volleyball and, and some some soccer pieces as well, but you know, I can see that 
because of your background in the game of basketball and you understand how the game's played and you understand, you know, the nuances of, of the fundamental base that a college coach would be looking at, yes, you want to have the flash in there that the, the high school kids and the parents probably want. But when you look at a lot of your pieces, you also get the base stuff that somebody who's more of a, a traditionalist, I guess you could call it, would want to see in a highlight video. How does your playing background impact how you put together a basketball highlight package, I guess? Yeah, it's, there's a lot of knowledge there, just from, you know, being around the game at a young age to, you know, ascending to very high levels of the game. So you have a good understanding of, of, of all those levels. And, you know, I'm not someone who considers myself to know everything, but I feel like I know a lot and, and, and can help those kids that way, whether it's them or their families or their coaches coming to me, asking me questions or in, in the way that we produce certain films, it might look flashy to a lot of people, but I always make sure that there's a fundamental aspect to it, that you're displaying this athlete in their best light where, yeah, people are going to love it. They're going to get behind it. But college coaches who I know follow my social platforms, they're going to be able to see a lot about a given player that we're working with. And, you know, it might be, you know, you might see some of these mixtapes, so to speak, but you'll never see him diving for a loose ball. You'll never see him doing, you know, a basic pass uh, here and there where that's important because my ultimate goal is obviously to push that athlete forward, help them get to a level that they want to get to. And, um, you know, Ben Gregg, obviously, is someone I just worked with. Um, a few college coaches I talked to never forgot. I put a video together for him, and there was like three loose balls that he got in the video where he dove on the floor. He said, man, we never see that anymore on films. So, he, you know, that's I was a player. <laughs> I wasn't one of the players that always dove on a loose ball, but I know that's important <laughs> uh, for uh, for these kids. So it absolutely helps, you know, in terms of being a former athlete, knowing what's important to put on screen or how to showcase these, these kids. Um, and the other side of it, too, is, you know, being able to help these kids directly because there's just that respect there when you have somebody that they know played and you've been through this, I'm sure with, with different people you work with, with coaches you've played for, you just, there's a respect level that's there right away. You know that they played at a level I'm trying to get to. So I'm going to ask them some questions or I'm going to listen to what they have to say. So it's definitely been something that's helpful for, for a lot of people, which is inspiring for me to keep going. As I'm sure with, you know, the quality of your work that has really gotten out there, uh, across not just the Northwest now, but even the West Coast, you've got a lot of requests for you to put together uh, film packages of different players or teams. How do you sift through what creates or what what interests you? And in, in, at the end of the day, you saying, hey, I'm going to work on this project uh, versus this another project, because I can only imagine – you know, in this day and age of, of social media, there's a lot of buzz. Um, but you also want to align yourself with the correct projects. How, how do you kind of differentiate what you want to work on at any particular time? Yeah, it, for a while, it wasn't easy to, to figure that out because you naturally, at first, you want to work with everybody. But obviously, you can't do that, especially when you become more in demand. Um, so, you know, I've had a good team around me for a while now and and added some people as well that really help with that process that are successful in terms of 
um, understanding what's good, what's maybe not aligned with what we're trying to do. And uh, it allows me to do something that I'm always, you know, not always great at, which is just telling people no. And, uh, you know, I, I always try to see the best in, in people when they're coming at me with business ideas or with project ideas. But uh, having a good team around me to say, look, we don't, we, we shouldn't do that, or that's not really something that we can take on and do that's going to showcase them and us. So that's been good for the decision-making process because, like you said, it's especially now with, you know, so many players, so many athletes at college and high school level who they don't have their seasons going on and they're desperate for, you know, getting more visible for the public, for the college uh, possibilities. And in some college players' cases for pro possibilities. So um, there's been a, a really, it's been a floodgate of, of projects and, and, and uh, opportunities that way. It's just a matter of, yeah, sifting through the right ones. What's, ones that we can successfully tackle and really help the people that we're working with. You mentioned you kind of got your start in this world through working with Nike on a couple projects. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong with, with the title I might call it is kind of quality control, kind of make sure the, the videos uh, in the production pieces that they were putting together were true to a basketball eye. You mentioned working with Kobe. I'm sure you worked with a num number of other guys. Did you at any point working for Nike in one of these settings just look around and be like, you know, these guys are the best in the world. I get a chance to learn the new craft that I'm going into at the same time I'm enjoying it by being around such high-level basketball guys. Yeah, most of the time I was able to do that uh, with athletes, with players at the NBA level. But with Kobe, it was very different because, he, I mean – you know that you played against him. He was very, just very different opposed to a lot of other athletes. And you know, he challenged everybody, everybody the second you walked into the gym or a production shoot. And he found out, you know, within a couple of minutes that I used to play and all of those things that he immediately had me on the court. He said, man, we're, we're going to play. You, you're in good shape. You know, I need, I need this. I, I need a quick workout. So I really didn't have a chance working with him when it, whenever he was on the production to sit there and look around and think about what was going on because we were so busy and he demanded such a high level of excellence with that particular project we were working on, which was, which was helping and influencing young Chinese athletes. Um, at that time, kind of the red tape of that government was starting to come off to where they were opening up more to the Western world. A lot of it was because of Kobe. Of course, Yao Ming, Tracy McGrady, some of these really popular athletes over there. Um, but Kobe was that main guy. So, you know, that project um, was very different. But a lot of the other projects, you know, just, you know, you get a chance to, to really enjoy what you're doing and enjoy those moments where you know what you're doing and it's something you love. And uh, and so it makes it, it makes it a lot of fun to, to be able to do that and ultimately – you know, like I mentioned before, it, it really developed a, a huge foundation for me to work from, you know, getting that start off with uh, with the Nike basketball crew. You release a lot of your videos on, on a number of different social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you have a YouTube channel as well. Is there any one that you feel uh, is your favorite or maybe is the most influential to really kind of get your projects out there? Uh, the, they're, they're all, there's none of them are favorites of mine. 
I think it's because I'm older. I'm not that young anymore. But the the Instagram page really blew up first and fast because that was the first one that I created. And it was created with the help of several athletes that were urging me to do it. And they I didn't really know at that time what I was doing um, or how connective it could be to people around the country. Um, and I learned a lot with that and so that one grew the fastest i think it might be right now one of the more popular ones in terms of 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 this type of medium um but for me you know whatever works uh you know i'm gonna do i, I think with the with the college coaching aspects which a lot of people in my industry don't really always think about but obviously i do because i know a lot of them they use twitter more than they use other other platforms at least that's what i've experienced that's where a lot of them contact me um about players if they don't already have my phone number and and so you know i use them all in ways that are not really just fun it's beneficial type of situations uh you know because obviously as a as a professional in this and as somebody who's got a lot of experience you know i'm always doing something with a rhyme and reason at least i'm trying to and not just, you know, messing around, doing whatever. Um, and I answer a lot of those questions that, almost every day from, you know, younger film producers or, or just people trying to get a leg up or make an impact that might be struggling with something or they want to figure out, you know, what exactly they should do or what I've done in the past. So um, that's, been, that's been something that's, you know, really started happening lately where you get to a certain level of success and people want to be able to figure out how that was done. Well, you've definitely gotten to a certain level of success in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I, I'm sure you're one of the more well-recognized guys nationally with what you do, because as I've mentioned throughout this conversation, uh, your, your videos are very well thought out. They're very well put together. Um, but last question I have for you is, what's the end goal for Ryan Slider and SS Visual Works? You had mentioned kind of working on some social pieces is there a part of you that wants to maybe get into like full length documentaries or maybe get behind, you know, film work um, as opposed to what you're doing now? Because I can only imagine in that industry, just like any other industry, you got to learn the basics. You got to learn how to put everything together. You got to learn how to tell a story. What is the next step or what's the end goal for you? Yes, yeah, really. You, you are right on that lane that, that uh, my team and I are just now, in the last probably four or five months started to explore and work in um, in terms of documentary film, feature length film, working with uh, studio production companies out of LA, uh, working with big networks. Um, those types of things are definitely part of the, the future goal. I don't know if the end goal is what I'd call it because there's so many things that, I, that happen that can change your trajectory, but one of the future goals for my company that, that and my business partners is to break into that industry of feature-length films and documentary films, which is one we're working on right now. Um, uh, uh, several different big networks are looking at the piece that we're working on. It's like I mentioned, just a it's just a documentation of what's going on in this country right now from both perspectives of you know people that think this way and people that think that way. And we're trying to be pretty neutral about it, um, but it's it's interesting. But as far as uh, the company goal is, that's where we're looking to to continue on what we're doing, making an impact 
um, with the with the athletes in that world, but also growing as a company in terms of film and doing what we all love because we all enjoy this. We enjoy being able to tell stories through through the lens and through through this way and and uh, continuing that forward is definitely definitely going on right now. Well, Ryan, I. I can only imagine that as you navigate this upcoming season of, of hopefully being able to cover games in the Pacific Northwest, you keep that possible end goal or those future goals uh, moving forward and you get a chance to accomplish those because it's been fun uh, following SS Visual Works and some of the things you guys have done over the last couple of years. Uh, I know SB Live, uh, you know, we're glad to have you apart as a partner on a few things here and there. We think you do tremendous work. Uh, I want to say thanks for joining us today. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the ISO. And best of luck uh, with all of your future endeavors. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.